Remote Hacks podcast on a remote hack day. All right. Hi there. Welcome to episode 59 of Air Quotes, the podcast Air Quotes. Today, uh, we're going to do a little hack side chat, which you probably got from the title, unless we messed up the title or haven't written it yet, or I don't know, whatever. Uh, it's going to be me and Ryan. Uh, we're actually, we're in Discord right now. We're trying something something a bit different, just kind of feeling out the space, just exploring, uh, using that cowbell, dancing around. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but so we wanted to talk today about, um, there, was this, uh, there was this article that, that I had read this morning and I, and I shared it uh, with Ryan and Ryan read it. And so we're going to talk about it. Uh, it's by Jessica Carker. I, I'm not sure how to say her name. K-E-R-R. Absolute genius. Um, about the origins of opera and problem-solving future of software. But essentially, um, what I want to talk about from it, uh, we'll put that in the show notes, by the way, which definitely exist, uh, is the idea of creating shared mental models of systems. Um, so I was going to ask Ryan, do you explicitly ever try to do that uh, with the teams that you work with? Uh, and how does it go? Um. Yeah, I mean, with, with all the caveats that we only read this this morning, so, uh, you know, I'm not really claiming to be an expert on it. I guess we everyone tries to do that. Um, oh, okay. Or at least you hope they do. Um, like, it's just when you're, when you're having a discussion about a piece of software and you're working in a team, you're, you're hoping that you all have the same understanding of what it is that you're trying to build. And... Um, but when you join a team or when someone else joins your team, that's certainly not the case. Like they don't have all of the context that you have and vice versa. Um, so I guess historically when I've joined teams, we've said, oh, you know, you've got a mentor or there's some kind of onboarding process yep. that's always trying to be that shortcut. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you've been here two weeks. We have the shared mental model. Like we've all got the same understanding of what our priorities are, what we're trying to build and how it's going to be. And I still think that's probably not the case. <laughs> mm. uh, so yeah, what's your experience been? Well, yeah, I mean, so I know we've we've got an onboarding kind of process that we follow, and there are some um, some sessions, some some video calls that we do, some recordings, some written down documentation, which which is all fine. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just wondering because for us, the the systems uh, that we work on, I mean, we're kind of working on the whole thing at once, so it's almost like the whole system of you know, going through AWS and these are all the services and these are the interactions and here's the infra and here's are the services that sort of take care of the infra and the monitoring and the logging. And like, that's probably a bit too much to tackle as, as one piece. Um, but I'm thinking just about, you know, maybe one particular service, if we wanted to find that as, I think we traditionally define things uh, in terms of like domain driven design, or at least that's, I mean, that's what we try to do. And then so limit it to sort of a context, um, if you like, or, or even something a bit higher than that, like a, like a product. Um, I think we have four or five key major products. Um, but just like, because one thing that I, that I quite liked from the article was the discussion of when you are thinking of your team as not just you know, the fellow members who you have a stand-up with, but the other people involved in the sort of the business product that you're, that you're trying to create um, and the, the problem you're trying to solve then instead of just being an artist who, you know, quote, uh, paints with acrylic, end quote, uh, I also, well, anyway, we, we won't go into the whole quote, quote thing again, because we, we covered that in a previous episode, uh, which dear listener, I'm sure you're very familiar with. But so you're not painting in acrylic, you're creating 
art, right? Um, it's it's just this this issue of having an idea of what those other people's concerns are, the things they're working on, the interactions between those things, how those things are changing, rather than just you know we need to create some some infra, we need to provision a service uh, you know in Fargate because I don't know somebody said we need a service or something. Um, it's just a really interesting idea, and I think has implications for the types of documentation that you write, the types of onboarding sessions that, that you have. And I, I guess I guess I'm kind of wondering because a lot of our onboarding stuff is either video calls where we talk about stuff, and we obviously you know look at the you know the screen shares and look at the the, the systems and the the dashboards and whatever. Um, but I'm wondering if it would be better to have like just a graphic, some sort of graphical visual representation of here are the boxes, here are the connections between the boxes. I mean, I don't know if you want to call it a like an architecture diagram or a system diagram or whatever, but something that's a little easier to to grok in a faster way. And then you can kind of build on that once everybody understands like, oh, there are, oh, there, there are actually four boxes here. I thought there were three boxes. Oh, okay. That actually, that fills in the the question I had about this and whatever. And you're you know, connecting dots and doing all that stuff. Um, but this, this idea that, that I also quite like from the article of, I think, oh, I'm not going to remember. I think she called it the, the line of discoverability or the line of representation or something where, the things that you're like, so the people and the, the the tooling is all kind of above the line and the things that you're actually creating in the working software world are below the line. So that's actually like the communication between services that's on a given protocol or whatever that you can't really, you can't see it, but you know how it's represented in your source code. You know how it's represented maybe in the logging and those kinds of things. So like, how do we, how do we move from, from people's, I, this is like, am I, am I still answering your question? I don't even remember. I've been talking for a really long time, but like, how do you, how do you have this, this thing in your head, whether it's a, an image or a graphic or an idea or whatever, and get it into somebody else's head, right? Or how do you make sure that the two things that each of you have in your head and by extension that all the team members, um, not only in your standup, but the, maybe the developers or the, the product teams or the UX people or whatever, that you all have the kind of the same thing in your head. Um, cause you, you either have to do that through the medium of language of talking about it or the medium of representing it visually, or I, pff, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very difficult problem. And I basically, I guess where I was going with this is we probably need more simple pictures and less like long form prose read me's, I guess. I don't know. Well, what do you think about that? That's a lot to unpick in that. Um, I, I think... Starting with this idea of kind of mental models, I think it's really interesting because we often think about the disparity between, say, two different developers on the same team and how they will have different mental models. Mm. And maybe that, that leads you towards this goal of having the same mental model. Like, how do you get it closer so that you spend less time or there's less effort involved in having that conversation? But a lot of teams nowadays are cross-functional teams. Mm. So you've got people from different disciplines like user research or interaction design or product ownership or software delivery um, alongside engineers. And so you're all working to make changes to the same system, but you can't possibly all have that completely shared uh, mental model because you're approaching it through different, maybe through different lenses. Mm. Um, yeah. So I wonder if trying to get everyone, everyone's mental models aligned 
for a complex system is even where you would want to go. Um, I wonder if, like you mentioned architectural design or architectural diagrams, um, and a high-level diagram is the classic thing you get when you join a team. And yeah. It's like, right, this is how our system works. You've seen six boxes. Now you understand all of the things. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and it drops down to now you can see code. Um, I guess I, I've not really framed it like this before, but when we start thinking about making some architectural change on a system, we'll often draw or I'll often draw some diagrams that are specific to the problem that we're trying to have a discussion around. Um, and sometimes, like now, we're talking about um, like architecture as code and being able to generate some of these diagrams automatically. But that's yeah. probably a discussion for a different day. But let's say we wanted to talk about um, how our application was scaling. You know, you, you might care about the number of pods or, uh, in your Kubernetes cluster, or you know, the regions that it was deployed into. Um, if you're talking about some of your product features, that might be inconsequential. So mm. the kind of bits that you need to pull out uh, from the system, like I guess pull it above that line of representation and something that you can have a conversation about is different for each problem that you'll solve. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's part of why there's been more of a pushback over the last few years against quite structured approaches to diagramming like UML. Mm. Um, uh, and there's been more of a push to just Ah, just use use a whiteboard or use post-it notes and like don't have any structure and just diagram what you need for that conversation because it can feel hard that uh, I think Jess calls it the coherence penalty. Um it's like trying to figure out, trying to align your mental model so that you can work together. If you've got a rigid diagramming approach as well, you don't just have to get coherence on your system, you've got to get coherence on your underlying diagramming technique. Yeah. Which it just it just makes the effort harder. Right, right. I mean, it's like you if you're using a particular front end framework, like you're not just writing JavaScript. You have to also understand the conventions of the framework. So yeah, it's like a mental model framework. It's like oh, well, we gotta you know the boxes have to be rectangular and they have to be red. It's like mm, what? But I don't I don't care about that. Right. I just care about what I like. I don't even care that they're boxes. But like we need to have some shared like language about what it you know what it is the things we're talking about right it could be circles could be not, not even a shape i don't know colors who knows anyway um but so so the, the next point i kind of wanted to touch on because i i mean speaking of javascript frameworks which you and i are very very familiar with we're definitely experts um for the purposes of this podcast um one fantastic segment from the article was sort of a one answer to the question of why are there so many javascript frameworks right and the answer was well, because React is very difficult to like understand fully. So it's so it's this idea of it's easier to just kind of make your own than to understand something that somebody else has built, which I think has very vast implications for legacy systems, um, which is what most of the world uses. I mean, that's, you know, businesses use that. That's what you're coming into usually. I mean, they're greenfield projects, um, which are fun because you're building your mental model as you go. Um, and everything kind of makes sense because it's a logical progression and you were there from the start. Whereas coming in with the, yeah, the kind of brownfield is like, oh, wait, why did they do this? So oh, nobody commented on it. Oh, I have no idea. And the person's gone. I guess I'll have to figure it out. I don't know. Um, yeah, that was kind of just a comment. That wasn't really a question for <laughs> discussion. But this, okay, well, how about this? I will I will pose you a question, sir. Um, I, I really like this idea of, that I guess was related, of you can't 
understand a system unless you try to change it somehow. And in changing it, you can start to observe like the emergent properties of it, the interactions between the components. Because um, the the system also learns, which was a, a fantastic point from the article. So, so what do you think about like would it be would we be better served by not documenting anything and just throwing somebody in saying just change this and and see what happens? I mean, maybe not in a production system, but in a kind of sandboxy kind of way. Well, what do you think about that? I think that's a horrible idea. You should be ashamed of yourself. No, it's an interesting one. It, documentation is a perennial problem uh especially kind of outside of big well-funded open source projects it's not open source but just big projects um i don't think you can get around a need for it but our current approach feels flawed like it every project i've been involved in it's been the thing that we've wanted to do like after we've written the thing. You can't write documentation about something until it exists. Right. And I don't know how much I agree with that anymore, but it like I, I've fallen for it, certainly. Um, and, you know, documentation goes out of date really quickly, especially if there isn't a drive from the entire team to keep it up to date and it's not on that kind of forefront of your mind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there is something about that kind of lived experience in the code. Um, I guess maybe what you're aiming towards is um, having everyone on the team be that expert that understands it. Um, but it comes with the challenge of how do you get to that point? Um, I, in my experience, all of the times I've pushed back against this kind of second system syndrome, like we need to go and rebuild it from scratch. Um, one of the big motivators or the big reasons people have given is because there's a lack of documentation. Um, yeah. And it's like, oh, well, we can't possibly understand it because there isn't documentation. I don't know how much I necessarily agree with that because I think if there is no documentation, it means that there's lots more effort you're going to have to put in. It certainly makes it harder. But the act of documenting a system is a really powerful way of learning about the system, mm, just in the yeah. same way that you know making a change or adding tests to a system um it changes the way you might approach it um but i also feel like there's there's quite a lot to this like, not invented here let's build something new let's prefer greenfield um and some of it is that we don't understand like we don't we can't map our the, the existing system that we don't understand into our conceptual model but there's also that idea that when you start from scratch you don't know there's all those unknown unknowns there's mm. the you can overly simplify your view of what the new system will look like and not have to worry about what problems you'll hit with, you know, the new technology you're going to use or the right. new domain model you're building. Um, so it's it's a very tempting route, not just because you it's easier for you to use your model than it is to take on someone else's, but also because it just hides a lot of the complexity until you're like further down the road and already kind of committed to it. Mm. Yeah. Um, speaking about this, this idea of, yeah, the total greenfield, rewrite everything. I mean, I, I definitely have felt coming into, you know, existing systems like, oh, I wonder why this is, oh, I didn't expect that. Oh, that's kind of weird. Well, why don't, why don't, why don't we just, well, let's rewrite everything. And I think of a very good point that was brought up um, by some of the, the senior, more experienced engineers was that there are because this this code base has been around, you know, for quite a long time, like there are problems, whether they're business problems or domain problems, or even 
I, I guess that's that's more because that's a little more obscure and unknowable than like technical problems of like, oh, how do you map an array deterministically or whatever, right? Um, that's not really a problem. Um, that was a terrible example because <laughs> um, that's the whole point of map. So like there, there are problems that have been solved in this code base. So there's there's like the idea that code is a way to express or to 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 crystallize knowledge about a business problem or a business domain that you will lose if you try to try to do it from scratch, right? Like the it was done this way because it solved the problems that needed to be solved and overcame the problems that were encountered in the process of solving those problems, you know, whatever. So it's kind of it's kind of like the same way that if you you know, you let some some very minority languages go extinct, you're going to lose all the knowledge that's contained in the way that that language has grown and evolved to express concepts and ideas and, and whatever. And so I think, yeah, like documenting a system as you learn about it, I think is, is a fantastic thing. And this, yeah, this unsolved problem of like, how do we, how do we make sure documentation doesn't go stale? How do we make sure that like people read it? How do we make sure that the things that get updated need to be updated? And um, I don't know if anybody's saw, well, I, well, nobody solved that, or I guess we would have heard of it. Maybe. I don't know. I hope. But yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's an interesting problem. So, um, I guess a, a final question. I got a final question for you. Um, do you think that there would be any value in having a type of? Now, I don't want to overuse the word system, but basically, where you have a way to sort of zoom out and zoom in on on a particular system so so for example you've got the zoom out of like the whole everything that exists in the the business and maybe zoom into a particular service um and at that level you're seeing like the the business problems in the business domain and then from there you could zoom in further to a particular component of that service and you could look at the individual say like i don't know vms running or whatever um just sort of like at different layers not of the stack but layers of the whether you want to call it complexity or layers of I don't even know what to call it. But I mean, what, what do you think about that idea? That maybe you could not document everything in one place, but kind of diff document things at, at layers? And I don't really know where this is going. But anyway, you, you talk now. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, so that's a, I think that's a really important thing with diagramming is it's easy to try. Like You get lulled into this idea that you need to try and get everything onto one page. Hmm. Um, and if we only had A4 sheets of paper, we would have got over this years ago, but we have whiteboards and you can get loads of stuff onto a whiteboard, yeah. especially if you write really small. Um, the thing that you described, actually something very similar already exists. And, and I guess maybe a point before that is you should absolutely break it down into different layers. What those layers might be depends on you know your business and the way you're approaching stuff. But um, there's a thing called the, the C4 model um which a guy uh whose name i think is simon brown i'll probably get that wrong um came up with and he's built a tool called structurizer around it um mm. and the idea of that is you start off with your your top level of diagrams which is really a they don't all begin with c because we've given them different names but like a, a system diagram a context diagram of all of the different services everything the interplay of everything um and then all of those systems will maybe break down so that you end up with a container diagram. So one system might have lots of different services within it. Um, 
and then below that there's a there's another layer which is um i mean there's a class diagram which i've not actually used never never felt the need to try and manually curate my class diagram below that mm-hmm. um, but then there's a deployment diagram where you take the containers that from your previous one you say oh well this is how it looks on you know our vms or in our kubernetes cluster and these are the things that are uh, SaaS tooling and you know, this is our rds database over here um and i'll happily show it to you uh, i'll link to it in the show notes but uh, at moj we've been trying to do this as code or in um, the mm. prison probation service at least we've done it as code so we um have some kotlin that defines our systems and each team is responsible for defining its own system and then you map the relationships between it and then you get those system diagrams for free um because you've said oh you know our um i don't know prisoner content hub goes off to prison api to retrieve visits for the prisoners so okay, well, that diagram knows that Prison API is part of the offender management system. So in our big system diagram, it knows to draw a line across. Mm. Um, so yeah, and then there's another there's another type of diagram which is supported in C4, but I, as I found useful separately, which is the idea of process diagrams. So you you say, oh, you know, a user hits this thing, and then this thing sends something here, and this thing sends something there, and then something gets a response. So kind of mapping out the journey of a piece of data or an event through your system. Mm. Um, and one thing I used to do, which I never did successfully, was try and do those process diagrams on one of those like um, all-purpose all diagrams. So you draw a picture of what it looks like, and then you start numbering arrows, and then the arrows start going back to where they came from and coming out again. You're like you'd lose the ability to to model that process because you're trying to overlay it on a diagram that isn't really suitable. Mm. And as soon as you go, right, the purpose of us doing this diagram uh, is so that we can talk about a particular data flow, the fact that it's, you know, on in S3 or on a VM doesn't make any difference. Uh, and actually the fact that you go to the same service five times might not make any difference because you're just thinking about a timeline. Um, so, yeah, yeah, different representations for different things is... is Right yeah, I'm I'm looking at the it's c4model.com for like a numeral not spelt out. Um the, yeah, this is this is the exact thing I was I was kind of imagining. And now I'm looking at it, I feel like you've shared this with me before. Um <laughs> it, it's seeming familiar, but like again, just just like that article um which again listeners is called The Origins of Opera and the Future of Programming. There, there's the show notes. I just wrote them. Um I I had definitely read this previously, but reading it again today it was like like a fantastic piece of art. Like it had stayed the same, but I changed, um, and I just it got so much out of it. And yeah, this this diagram, this is exactly what I think I'm gonna try to start doing because what I think a lot of times what we're missing in the you know my team and sort of the the teams around us is this connection between here's a technical thing we're working on. Well, what is what's say for example the business impact if this thing goes down, or how how critical is this thing to our bottom line or how critical is it to a particular user journey or user job or whatever. And I don't think anybody really knows that. And I think that would be very valuable to have. So like when we're talking about security vulnerabilities, it's like, oh, well, GitHub, you know, Dependabot told us there was this thing. Do we care about this? And so, well, this looks pretty serious. Like, you know, it's a whatever you can escalate to, I don't know. And um, 
oh, but it's in a component that we don't really use. And oh, it's kind of not in a core service. So like, we don't need to prioritize that, right? Because it's all about prioritizing what you're going to spend time on. And if something has a higher possible business impact, you should be prioritizing that, right? And then so people obviously bring that up and they're like, great, so do that. And everybody says, well, we don't, we don't have any idea of, <laughs> I don't like, I couldn't even tell you what product this is related to. And it's like, we, we could probably be doing a better job of that, of just whether that needs to be in one central place that everybody can look at or specific to the teams or, or I don't know. Cause yeah, I, I think you had mentioned before we started this delicious hackside chat that you do have that trade-off of um, sort of the authenticity of what you're representing and the generalizability of it, right? So you can have something that's super, super general, but it doesn't really take into account like the differences between the teams and the differences between the products and the differences between the service. Or you can have something that's super, super, super custom to a particular service, but that doesn't make any sense once you go, you know, two levels up the chain of sort of zooming out. So, so yeah, um, yeah. At, at the risk of making this too long, uh, I will, I will thank you, Ryan, for sharing sharing all those delicious things and links with us today. That was a fantastic hackside chat. As always, Discord has worked phenomenally. We're not, obviously we're not recording it in Discord. Uh, we're recording it in Zencaster, which is just a superior piece of software. I don't know why anybody would ever build anything different, uh, why you would ever need anything that's so fantastic. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll do it anyway, because it might be fun. Uh, so yeah. So thanks again for joining us, uh, listeners, and we will see you on the next episode of Air Quotes, the podcast. Air a <laughs>